Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Side Network. My name is Peter Panacey, associate editor of NinerNoise.com. Flying solo today and uh, having a little bit of fun. Of course, we're still in the mix of the off season, and usually this time of year, you wind up kind of being in the doldrums of no NFL news. But of course. The NFL is a year-round cycle, and there's always news. There's always stuff going on, and even including the 49ers, one way or another, if they're linked through other teams' rumors or or even just speculation, there's still plenty of stuff to talk about as we sit here towards the end of June. Training camp, of course, a month and away from now. But rather than get into all the chatter surrounding San Francisco, whether it be Debo Samuel looking at the roster or trying to figure out which training camp battles are going to be the most intriguing. I wanted to actually focus on the quarterback situation for San Francisco, because obviously when you're talking about quarterbacks, it's high profile stuff and people love to talk about quarterbacks. It's just the nature of the sport. It's the nature of the position. And more specifically, we're going to be looking at two quarterbacks. And I think you're pretty sure who we're going to be talking about here today. And that, of course, is Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. The transition that we know has been coming for well over a year now, and it looks as if it's going to be on the horizon perhaps very soon if it hasn't already started already. But before we get into all of that, just a little bit of housekeeping and a little bit of a favor to ask of all of you. If you enjoy the Niner Noise podcast, either with myself, fellow co-host Robert Morrison, and the occasional guests we bring on from time to time, do us a favor, 
and go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave us that five-star review. It always helps with the metrics and helps us to expand and, and reach out to even greater audiences. We certainly do appreciate it. And as always, feel free to interact with us over at NinerNoise.com. So again, I wanted to make this more of a focal point podcast rather than go into all things 49ers. And obviously I'm not educating anybody here, but the off season has been about two things with regards to Garoppolo and Lance. One, can the 49ers trade Jimmy G? And then two, what's Trey Lance going to be like? What's going to be his expectation level heading into what will be his first year as a starter after the 49ers drafted him at number three overall back in 2021? So obviously anytime you spend big assets on a quarterback like that, as the 49ers did over a year ago, you know that's the future, right? And, and it still amazes me to think that there is an argument to keep Lance as a backup heading into 2022 because Garoppolo is under contract for one more season. Look, when the 49ers spent all those first-round picks to move up and grab Lance, that's jumping off the high dive, right? There, there's no stopping this. And, you know, you could postpone it a little bit. You can think, okay, well, Lance wasn't all that experienced in college, so give him a year to, to develop and, and acclimate to life at the NFL level. That's all fine. That year's passed. That was 2021. Garoppolo started all but two games. 49ers made it all the way to the NFC Championship. But again, the page is turning. So here we are, back towards you know, the, the, the typically boring part of the offseason. And hey, what do you know? The chatter about Jimmy Garoppolo being traded is starting to pick up again. And a few things have segued this into the forefront of the discussion. Obviously, for one, Garoppolo is nearing that recovery point from off-season shoulder surgery. That shoulder injury he had during the wildcard game victory over the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs last season. Well, guess what? He had surgery, and many have argued that hindered the 49ers' attempts to actually trade him. Well, now, according to ESPN Jeremy Fowler, he's on track to begin throwing again. And that could be the trigger that allows the 49ers to move him. Now, again, there's still a lot of things at play here. You know, what are the 49ers asking for in terms of, of trade compensation? What about Garoppolo's post-trade contract? He's scheduled to earn $25.5 million if traded, and a new team would have to pay that out unless they're willing to engineer some sort of drastic pay reduction. I really don't think the 49ers are going to eat a chunk of that salary for Garoppolo to play somewhere else. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, and teams rarely do that. Now, of course, here we are at a point where you're still thinking about teams who could potentially look at making a trade for Jimmy G. We've talked about the Panthers before, right? They're not going to want to go into the season with Sam Darnold under center, and unless rookie Matt Corral really impresses during training camp in the preseason— it's probably going to have to be Darnold, right? But you're not going to get too excited about that. Panthers do have enough room to absorb Jimmy G's salary should they so choose, but that's the question. Do they want to do so? Now, the 49ers aren't going to be trading Jimmy G to the Seahawks, <laughs> even though the Seahawks need their own quarterback. You're not going to see that move. I mean, interdivision trades are so rare. And while there might make, you know, there might be some sensible points to the 49ers doing that, it, the likelihood is just extremely slim. However, there is another team that has emerged as a potential suitor for Garoppolo, and that's the Cleveland Browns. 
And of course, you probably know what's going on with Cleveland right now in the wake of their offseason trade for Deshaun Watson. That, of course, alienated their former starting quarterback to be, Baker Mayfield, who obviously wants out, understandably so. But now Watson's in that situation, allegedly for off-field allegations of sexual misconduct and potentially facing a year-long suspension, which certainly puts the Browns into a bind. So Cleveland's now faced with this decision. Is the situation with Baker Mayfield completely irreparable? And if so, Mayfield wants out. He doesn't want to be there anymore. He feels unwanted, understandably so. Is this going to be something where the Browns are forced to strike and to do some kind of deal, perhaps trading for Jimmy Garoppolo? Now, again, a little bit of a caveat in all this. And this, of course, is according to a report from NFL insider Michael Balco, who said um, earlier this week that he was hearing that the Seahawks and Browns are nearing a trade agreement um, that could potentially send Baker Mayfield to the Pacific Northwest. So anyway, 49ers would be interested in this happening. Obviously, if they're going to be facing Mayfield twice a year. I'm sure Nick Bosa would love seeing his uh, old collegiate rival <laughs> twice a year. But that could potentially open up the door for Garoppolo to be shipped off to the Browns. The only thing about this, though is that further reports, and I believe you're going to have to forgive me on this one, I do believe also from ESPN Jeremy Fowler said that should that happen, uh, the Browns would probably be intent with rolling with Jacoby Brissett. And I should probably frame that a little bit better by noting that if Watson is suspended and Baker Mayfield is traded, then Jacoby Brissett is the starter for Cleveland. So do you look at Jimmy G going to the Browns? Possibly. But it still looks as if the best trade partner would be the Carolina Panthers. And the only way the whole Browns fiasco of what's going on there right now could potentially benefit San Francisco in that regard is if there's a little bit of a trade war that somehow manages to, to, to heat up in the next few weeks. But looking back at the full picture, we've been talking about a would-be Jimmy Garoppolo trade for months now. Right? As soon as we got to the offseason, the 49ers were eliminated in the NFC Championship game. It was like that's the next thing to happen. Right, You're waiting for the news to break. You're waiting for Garoppolo to be announced as, as, as a player on the move. Then you got into the start of the league new year in the middle of March, and you saw this quarterback movement. Right, I mean, it, Watson going to Cleveland. You had Carson Wentz on the move to Washington. You had the Atlanta Falcons signing Marcus Mariota. Pittsburgh Steelers going after Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, all these different deals taking place. Russell Wilson going from the Seahawks to Broncos. So many different quarterback moves and Garoppolo being left out of them that it essentially just pushed back the Niners' plan to move Jimmy G. And so now we're at that point again where, okay, that decision needs to be made. And of course, you're faced with the reality that, hey, what if Carolina doesn't want to trade for Garoppolo? What if the Browns don't want to trade for Garoppolo? Heck, what if the Seahawks don't want to trade for Garoppolo? Just throwing that out there. Then what does San Francisco do? What does San Francisco do in a situation where nobody wants to give up even a mid-level draft asset or a player for a 30-year-old, often injured quarterback who is average at best when he's on the field. 
that's not exactly a high-profile commodity. Now, again, is Garoppolo a starting-level quarterback in the NFL? Sure, yes. And I would even say at his best, he can be pretty good. All right? That's fine. You know, call him what you want, but still, he's not in one of those upper echelon tiers that teams would trip over to go acquire. So then what do the 49ers do? They're faced with a couple of really only options they have available to them. One, of course, as I mentioned earlier, they could keep him, right? They can say, hey, Jimmy, Trey Lance is our guy moving forward. You know, we've got we've to turn the page, but we can't trade you, but we're not going to keep you around with, you know, your total cap hit, I think, like, what, $27.8 million or, or something like that. So you're going to take a pay cut, and at least you'll have an employer this season. 49ers could do that. They could possibly do that to back up Trey Lance. But then again, you're going to wind up with that whole just circus of speculation and, ooh, gosh, quarterback controversy in San Francisco. Trey Lance has a bad game. Oh, is Garoppolo going to go back in? That's not going to go away. And it was such a mess last year. I, I, it, the Niners aren't going to want to repeat that. You know, let's, let's live in reality here. So then that leaves two other options. The 49ers can try trading Garoppolo for pennies on the dollar right? Trade him off for a six-round pick to some team that'd be willing to take him on. And you might be thinking, gosh, he's worth more than a six-round pick. Yeah, sure, he could be. But don't you remember back in, what was it? I think 2013, the 49ers traded for Anquan Bolden from the Baltimore Ravens, and it cost the Niners a six-round pick? That's Anquan Bolden, you know, a guy that could be a Hall of Famer, right? Um, so, you know, these are one of those things where you never quite know how the market's going to pan out, and maybe the 49ers are ultimately forced to settle on accepting far less than what they thought they could get out of Jimmy Garoppolo. And maybe the rest of the league is basically telling San Francisco that. Garoppolo's not worth that much in terms of a trade, and that's just the reality of the situation. There is, of course, the other very strong likelihood that if Garoppolo can't be traded, and he doesn't want to sit around as a backup to Trey Lance, obviously, that's not fun, and 49ers probably realize that's not the best play either, what about just outright releasing him? Saying, hey, Jimmy, we tried to trade you. It didn't work out. You know, no team was willing to come at us with, with an offer that we thought was, was worthwhile. So we're going to do you a solid. We're going to release you. Let you go ahead and, and, and try to latch on for a team, maybe as a backup, but get a new contract, right? Maybe a two-year deal worth $15 million. <laughs> right? I mean, with incentives and all that. I'm not even going to get into backup quarterback contracts, but you know, we could go all day into the weeds out there with that. But either way, maybe that's what the 49ers do. They release them outright, and boom, just like that, the Jimmy Garoppolo era in San Francisco would be over. So anyway, those are likely the decisions that the 49ers are going to have to face. And I'd have to imagine that if I was Jimmy G, you might opt to being just outright released. You know, he probably wants to turn the page, too. Obviously, he's not stupid. He's looked at this whole situation for the past year and realized he's a lame duck quarterback. Trey Lance is going to be the guy going forward. Trey Lance was drafted to replace him, and the 49ers are now going all in on Lance being the guy going forward. So, segueing into the Trey Lance conversation here for a bit, and this is obviously important because you are looking at a paradigm shift moment for the franchise, right? And, and the last time that you really felt this way, and I'm not going to say with Colin Kaepernick back in, in 2011, and more importantly, 2012, when he began to start, but actually I'm going to go back even further to Alex Smith when he was drafted number one overall 
in 2005. That's kind of the feeling here. Now, of course, the contexts are entirely different. You know, Alex Smith was number one overall to a horrific 49ers squad. And Trey Lance, you know, number three overall, but Niners moved up to get him, paid a lot to do so. And San Francisco's roster right now, pretty good, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't think you need to be a, a massive football expert to say that Garoppolo didn't exactly carry the 49ers deep into the playoffs last season. It was more the defense and Debo Samuel and 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 and, and maybe a little bit of luck against the Packers in that divisional round game. But either way, that's the flow. That's that's the, that's the, the 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 difference between Trey Lance and Alex Smith's context here. Nevertheless, anytime that you're a high-profile draft pick, especially if you're a quarterback, my gosh, the expectations are going to be through the roof. And you've already heard about this, right? All the off-season chatter. Oh, Trey Lance, arm fatigue. Oh, gosh, he's not the guy. I have doubts about him. And, of course, my favorite overall, he's inexperienced. Of course he's inexperienced, right? Like, (laughs) he's unproven. Well, of course he's unproven. <laughs> you know, you're you're not experienced until you're experienced. You're not proven until you're proven. And the only one only way to gain experience is to gain experience. It's pretty straightforward. And so, as I mentioned before, the Niners jumped in with both feet with this, right? They absorbed the year. They thought to themselves, "Okay, we can let Lance, who had only 318 passes at the collegiate level." Uh, who got into a little bit of action his rookie year. Of course, we all know that. But we can let him be that backup. We can let him get acclimated to life at the NFL level. That's all fine. But you've run out on that time now. And so now you need to move forward. So my kind of curious point, just kind of wondering what to expect out of Trey Lance as far as his year one efforts. It's got to be pretty... Interesting to watch as not only we work through training camp in the preseason, but especially as you go through the regular season as well. And this is another reason why moving on from Garoppolo, I think, would be wise because it's kind of one of those situations where, hey, Lance, you're the guy. You're the unquestioned starter. Obviously, with Garoppolo being hurt, you got all the first team reps during OTAs, mandatory minicamp. And if you struggle at any point during the regular season, well, guess what? You're going to have to figure yourself the way out of it. And it's going to be that basic. So, again, if you've watched any 49ers games over the last season, you probably know a few of the differences. But if you're near a phone or a computer, I want you to do something right now. And go to NextGen Stats. And this is a great breakdown on one of the differences that you can expect between Garoppolo and Lance. If you go to Next Gen Stats, there's a little category there for, for charts, and you can open up quarterback passing charts there. And you'll be able to take a look at two differences between, well, a big difference, I should say, uh, between Garoppolo and Lance. And so if you look at Garoppolo's Week 16 passing chart from that Thursday night game against the Tennessee Titans, and then compare it to Trey Lance's passing chart from a week later against the Houston Texans, it's night and day. And it's night and day in so many different ways. Yeah, Garoppolo in that Thursday night loss passed for over 300 yards, had 35 pass attempts, whereas Lance in that win over the Texans only passed the ball 23 times. But the dispersion of pass attempts from Lance was literally all over the place. And you might think that's a bad thing, but it's actually not. If you look at Garoppolo's pass charts, 
and not just necessarily from that Tennessee game, but really any one of his starts, you notice a trend. The overwhelming majority of his passes are one, gonna be in between the numbers, and two, no further than 10 yards out from the line of scrimmage. I don't think you need to be a football expert to look at a defense and realize that that's where the majority of players, defenders, tend to line up. It's crowded, there's a lot of bodies there. But if you were to look at Trey Lance's passing chart, a lot of passes are going downfield, well beyond 10 yards, right? A lot of passes are going outside of the numbers where there's typically only one, maybe two defenders in the area. So in that sense, seeing Lance have the ability to target multiple areas of the field is going to make a massive difference. And I think that's something that fans are going to appreciate with Trey Lance going forward that they really just didn't see from Garoppolo much at all, dating back to when he first arrived in San Francisco back in 2017. On top of that, and this is one of the things that I was, was really intrigued about with Trey Lance, not only just coming out of the draft, but really as his notion of being a playmaker is the fact that Lance fits into that category of being an athletic quarterback. And of course, yes, all quarterbacks are athletes. Anybody who plays football, even a place kicker or a punter, they're an athlete, all right? Fine. <laughs> they're, they're athletic, probably way more than any of us are. But head coach Kyle Shanahan has seen his 49ers get beat by these playmaking quarterbacks, some of them in big games. Of course, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs in the Super Bowl, that happened. We also saw other athletic quarterbacks like you know, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, beat the 49ers at multiple points. Maybe that influenced the Niners' decision to go after Lance. But I'm going to read you a quote from Football Outsider's Derek Klassen in describing this key element, this difference with regards to Trey Lance when he has to extend plays with his legs versus Jimmy Garoppolo when he's also forced to do the same when under pressure. So Klassen wrote, quote, it's good to see Lance act with a plan when he gets outside of the pocket. Garoppolo simply does not offer this kind of play outside the pocket. He does not want to do it, and he is largely incapable of doing it. Garoppolo is a fine athlete for the position, truthfully, but he does not have the same level of comfort operating while on the fly the way Lance does, end quote. That points out the athleticism. That points out the ability to improvise, opening up the chance for San Francisco's offense to take advantage of breakdowns in coverage simply because Lance is able to evade pressure and get away from it by sheer physicality more than Garoppolo. Now, Garoppolo does have some advantages in this case. Obviously, he gets the ball out quicker. He's certainly more experienced, probably at least understands how opposing pass rushes work a little bit more. But nevertheless, Lance has the physical tools to go out there and extend plays. And I'm not just talking about being a running quarterback. I'm talking about just being evasive, being able to scramble away from hot pressure right at the point of the attack. Yeah, granted, there's gonna be some big concerns for Trey Lance heading into his first year as a starter. Let's be real. One, the 49ers offensive line, it's gonna be 40% different, right? Alex Mack is retired. Lakin Tomlinson's off with the New York Jets. That's a question mark. You saw early on last year when Lance first started to cut his teeth at the NFL level, he wasn't particularly great at <laughs> diagnosing the pass rush, getting away from it, stepping up in the pocket, whatever it might be. So you know, that improved as, as, as you saw from weeks five to 17 with Lance. Obviously in week 17, he was much better in that regard, but nevertheless, those are points of concern. 
So again, are there going to be bumps and bruises? Is there going to be a little bit of a learning curve for Trey Lance heading into 2022? Of course. I don't want to come out here and say that Lance is going to wind up in these situations where he is having a Patrick Mahomes-like second year where he's you know, on path to become a an MVP candidate or you know he's passing for all kinds of records or whatever. That'd be great. I don't think anybody would complain about that, right? But at least in terms of, of being realistic, I do think that it would be reasonable to expect Lance to hopefully get into that realm of where Josh Allen, and I mentioned him earlier, Josh Allen was during his second year as a pro. And, you know, if you recall back to, to 2019, Josh Allen's second year in the league, the, the Buffalo Bills were going through their second year of the rebuild under head coach Sean McDermott. They weren't the powerhouse team that they're expected to be heading into 2022. So, but, but nevertheless, Josh Allen showed a lot of improvement in those two years. And of course, by year three, when you got into 2020, he could have been the MVP that season and no one would have batted an eye. Everybody would have been like, okay, that makes sense. So if we're to, to, to set an expectation level for Lance this season, I'd probably like to see him pass for at least 60% of his completions. He was at 57.7% a year ago. It would be great, especially with that 17th game in a regular season, to pass for you know, over 3,000 yards. And he has the context to do it. Again, the 49ers have a fairly loaded offense with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings. We'll see how Danny Gray goes in there. Uh, if the running game opens things up for Lance, that'd be great. And if he has a better than two to one touchdown to interception ratio, you know, if you're north of 20 touchdowns passing and, and 10 or less interceptions on the year, that would probably be fine. I think 49er fans would take that given the relative inexperience, there we go with that word again, that Lance had coming into this year as, as the guy, right? And of course, anything above that is probably just going to be an indication that Lance is, is far exceeding expectations that anybody had for him. Now, of course, one of the things that you're going to be doing here is comparing Trey Lance to a lot of these other quarterbacks who are selected in round one of the 2021 draft. Of course, I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars and Zach Wilson of the Jets and Justin Fields of the Bears and, and Mac Jones of the Patriots. Those first three kind of stand out to me, though, because one, they were all pretty much either at or as high profile or even more so than Trey Lance. And I guess you could throw Mac Jones in that, but I think Jones can be a bit of an outlier because he went to one of the best situations he possibly could have in New England. The Jaguars, yeah, they reinforced their off offense during the offseason. You know, Christian Kirk's there, Zay Jones. <laughs> um, it, it, the Jets hopefully will be a little bit better. We're all pulling for Robert Sala here, of course. Uh, and then the Bears, I don't know what to say about them. I don't know what Justin Fields is going to do without any weaponry to help him out whatsoever. But if you look at all those quarterbacks taken in round one over a year ago, Trey Lance is still in that best case scenario. He has an excellent offensive play caller for head coach in Kyle Shanahan. He's got an all-pro in Debo Samuel. He's got another all-pro in George Kittle. He's got Brandon Ayuk, a, a really good wide receiver who beats man coverage. And Juwan Jennings, who's emerging as a really solid possession receiver. And, of course, a run-first offense, right? I mean, Shanahan's not going to get away from his bread and butter just because he has a strong-armed quarterback. So 
out of all those quarterbacks, maybe with the exception of Mac Jones, who I think's already kind of hit his peak. Of course, he'll probably get a little bit better, but not tremendously. But the other quarterbacks, Lance still seems to be set up for the most success. And so if you're a 49er fan, guess what? Be excited about it. Be thrilled about it. Be happy. And then hopefully look back maybe a little less from a year from now when we are evaluating Lance's first year as a starter and say, you know what, that was pretty good. Or maybe it even surpassed my expectations of what he was going to do. I know all of us would be thrilled at it. But of course, we got to circle back here because that's going to mean the end of the Jimmy Garoppolo era in San Francisco. And like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, this is probably going to be in the last phase of the Jimmy G era. You go back to that final press conference he had with the media and and he was effectively saying goodbye to, to certain members of the media, what have you. The writing's been on the wall for some time. We're not really fooling anybody there. But let's try to think what Jimmy G's legacy is gonna be with San Francisco, right? And I'm gonna say this in light of some comments from one of his former teammates with the New England Patriots, wide receiver Julian Edelman. And perhaps you've seen this video from the I Am Athlete podcast. It's available on YouTube. You could also go to, uh, to Niner Noise. We've got an article up about it. But either way, Edelman joined the I Am Athlete podcast and was asked to comment on some previous uh, statements made by another former Garoppolo teammate in New England, tight end Martellus Bennett who a year ago ripped Garoppolo for sitting out games because of a shoulder injury, and a shoulder injury in his non-throwing shoulder. And Bennett wasn't necessarily criticizing Garoppolo for sitting out, but rather the last-minute decision not to play in a particular game. And this, of course, goes back to 2016, before Garoppolo was traded to the 49ers, and of course Tom Brady was out because, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, you remember when that happened. Okay, so anyway... um, Edelman was asked about it, and interestingly enough, Edelman's comments weren't exactly that far off from Martellus Bennett's. So anyway, and I'm going to quote here, quote, Edelman says, quote, he hurts his non-throwing shoulder, his left shoulder, and Jacoby Brissett came in, led us to a win. We go into week four, and I guess Jimmy was practicing and then decided not to play. And Jacoby played with no ligaments in his thumb, which you can't do that as a quarterback. You can't grip. And if it's your left shoulder, a lot of guys got mad about it. I'm not going to lie. I got mad about it. I sacrificed my body all day long. I was taking shots for this, numbing up that, ribs, broken ribs, shoulders, grade three, hanging on to limps just to play. So I can understand why Marty thinks like that, end quote. So it certainly sounds as if Edelman is echoing Bennett's comments about Garoppolo, that injury prone tendency that Niners fans know very well about during Garoppolo's tenure in San Francisco. So how much of that's going to cloud Jimmy G's legacy with the 49ers? I don't think you're going to get away from the fact Garoppolo was an injury prone player. You remember back to 2018 tearing his ACL in week three. You go back into 2020 with multiple ankle sprains and then Garoppolo trying to come back and literally hobbling on the field looking terrible, can't plant, his passes are all wobbly. And then you get into this season, or this this past season here, and Garoppolo has a torn ligament in his thumb, and then a throwing shoulder injury that requires surgery during the offseason. Garoppolo at least played through the injuries this year. And 
I don't necessarily know like just the full depth of why this is important, but it does seem important to me in a big way. Going back to Garoppolo's 2016 campaign with the Patriots, Jimmy G hadn't cashed in on that big second contract, right? You know, he hadn't gotten it yet. He didn't get that until he came to the 49ers. Well, now that Garoppolo kind of has some financial stability, and of course, what's going to be the one thing that's going to completely derail his his stock value heading into 2022 could be just missing more time with injuries. I don't know what his camp said. I don't know if his camp was like, hey, look, Jimmy, we recommend you go out there and play because if you don't, it's going to be a disaster for you trying to get a new big-time deal. But if you go out and play and play well, then hey, you know, whatever. And probably most important of all, you're going to completely undo or at least alleviate that reputation of which Bennett and Edelman spoke, right? And I think for a 49ers fan, you probably can look back at that and say, well, yeah, maybe Edelman and, and Bennett had a little bit of a point. In 2016, Garoppolo decided to, to not play you know, right before the game, but he gutted it out late in 2021 and into the playoffs. And of course, playoff football is a lot more important than, oh, what happens in week one or week two or week four. But nevertheless, I think that reputation was probably salvaged a little bit. But again, I don't know. Right, And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the post-Garoppolo era. When you start to look back, and maybe some 49ers teammates, many of whom, almost all of whom, have been overwhelmingly supportive of Jimmy G during his tenure. And, and, and especially going out to defend him actively. You know, you've heard Richard Sherman, who hasn't played with Garoppolo since uh, 2020. Uh, he's still defending him. Eric Armstead recently came out and, and, and offered up words of praise. George Kittle has regularly talked about how good of a quarterback Garoppolo is and how much of a leader he is, that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see if, if in a few years, and maybe when some of these Niners players are, are elsewhere or whatever, if Garoppolo starts commanding more comments, like you saw with Edelman and Bennett. Two totally different teams, two different times, two different contexts. But I'd be willing to bet that the reputation Garoppolo might have had with being soft or not having the mental toughness, things that his former Patriots teammates, at least these two, uh, were basically accusing him of, I wouldn't be surprised if that goes away a little bit. And a number of his Niners teammates say, you know what? Hey, he played hurt a lot. He gutted out through some injuries there towards the tail end of his time with us. And I respect him for it. So again, we don't know this. This is going to happen down the, down the road and, and exactly what any particular player's true sentiments are. Hard to tell, right? It, <laughs> who knows? Even if you ask him directly, they might not give you a full honest truth. So anyway, what I can count on is getting the full honest truth from each and every one of you, you know, the 49ers fans, and what your thoughts are and what they're going to be about Jimmy Garoppolo, his legacy with the 49ers, and what's it going to mean in, in two, three, five, ten years? Now, obviously, Garoppolo has his critics. I've been one of them, very vocal at times. He's limited as a quarterback, lives between the numbers, as I just said earlier, doesn't throw beyond 10 yards, and if you try to throw it, you know, he tries to throw it deep, you know, look out. He's always going to get picked off by some lurking linebacker right in the middle of the field, you know? 
forget about athleticism, forget about arm strength. He has the happy feet, you know, he's, he's an okay quarterback, maybe moderately good at best. I could go on and on and on, and many of you have too. And of course, I know there's plenty of Garoppolo supporters out there too, and, and maybe some of you have disagreed with that take. And yeah, that's fine. That's the point of having these discussions. It's the point of talking about this is to at least share some of these differing opinions. But despite all the criticism Garoppolo has and, and, and has had for much of his tenure with San Francisco, I do think that history will look back upon him a lot more favorably than many a fan looks back on him now. And I think that when you get into the latter half of this decade, which <laughs> hopefully we have some great news and stories and, and excitement between now and then, but I think when you start to look back on the Jimmy G era by, I don't know, 2028, let's say, we'll probably look at him a little bit more favorably than we did during his quarterbacking time. And it was easy to get frustrated with him because of the injuries, because of his limitations as a quarterback. But I always, I always hate going with this stat. I, I hate the quarterback win stat. <laughs> I, I, I hate that stat. It's like pitching wins in baseball, right? It's such a lazy stat, and I see it used, and people are like, oh, well, you know, he wins games, or oh, yeah, okay, his record was whatever. Last time I checked, there's um, 21 other starters on offense and defense who really do impact a lot. (laughs) But nevertheless, up to this point, it's pretty safe to make the argument that when Garoppolo was on the field, the 49ers won games. And when he wasn't, they didn't. Right, I mean, thirty-one and fourteen is a is a is a starter during the regular season during the 49ers during his 49ers tenure. Garoppolo helped the 49ers win, right? He did, and it might not necessarily be through exemplary playmaking abilities or you know his dynamic arm or gunslinger mentality. It might not be any of that, but it might just be hey, you know, he was he was consistent enough to get the job done. He was good enough to, to, to not let down an offense that was highly effective, regardless if he was hurt or not. He might not be able to elevate the 49ers offense, but you know what? He certainly helped it, and you can't deny that. You know, all of his detractors out there saying Jimmy G stinks, you know what? He's been the best quarterback the 49ers have had under Kyle Shanahan to date. No getting around that. And the 49ers won a lot of games when he was out on the field. And then, of course, you can look at the fact that the two years, relatively speaking, where he was healthy, 2019, 2021, Landers made it deep into the playoffs. And again, I hate using quarterback wins. I hate using the quarterback as the reason why any team makes the playoffs or gets deep into the postseason. But a good quarterback does play a pretty vital role in all that. So... I think all in all, and this is probably going to be my takeaway and my look at it two, three, four, ten years down the line, Garoppolo did leave the 49ers in better shape than how he found it, right? You remember back to 2017, C.J. Beathard, Brian Hoyer, first year of the rebuild, ugh. Garoppolo comes in, 49ers win five straight, and oh gosh, all kinds of hope. How exciting was that time, right? It was awfully exciting. Yeah, we know the history since then, but you look back on these five years. Two playoff trips, one trip to the Super Bowl, another trip to the NFC Championship game. Some really good teams. 
that the 49ers have had. And Garoppolo played a role in that. So even if you are glad to see him go, it'll probably be something you'll admit. Just say, hey, you know what? He helped turn the franchise around. And, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to say, hey, he left the 49ers in a better position than, 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 he, than when he got here. But I'm still more excited to see Trey Lance going forward. You can say that. Like you can be a fan of both quarterbacks. That's one thing that's always really just surprised me. It's like you. It's either or, right? It's oh, I'm either in Jimmy G's camp or I'm in Trey Lance's camp. You can be in both players' camps. You can say, hey, I like Jimmy G. He did. He won a lot of games. I had, like whatever. He was good looking and 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 made a funny Subway commercial and and it took last year's awkwardness with Trey Lance about as well as anybody could have asked. He was a you know, consummate professional about it. That part's true. You can't deny that. But I'm also excited about Trey Lance. <laughs> you could say that. There's nothing wrong with that. So anyway, this whole segue is going to be very provocative. But again, I do think Jimmy G's legacy, we will look back on it in a few years' time, hopefully with a little bit more favor, hopefully with a little bit more reverence and, and an ability to say, you know what? Jimmy G, thanks for what you did here. We appreciate it. Uh, had a lot of good times when when you were out there wearing the red and gold. But, you know, all things come to an end, and, and this one did, and it's the Trey Lance era. And at some point, way down the line, the Trey Lance era will come to an end too, and, and the circle starts anew. So there we are. So anyway, before we wrap things up here, again, just wanted to ask everybody so kindly and Please, please, I'm not going to beg, but I'll come close. If you like the podcast, if you enjoy uh, either myself, Robert Morrison, some of the guests that we have on here, do us that favor. Leave us that five-star review. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And also share it with your family and your friends and all your 49ers fans around you. We certainly do appreciate it. It means a lot to us. And of course, go ahead and interact with us all over, not just on NinerNoise.com, but you can find us on Twitter, at SFNinerNoise. You can also find us over on Facebook, too. We'd love to hear comments from you. We always enjoy trying to interact with people and, and have a little bit of fun and, and some good debates. So by all means, do that. And as always, be sure to check out further episodes from the Niner Noise podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as archived ones, interviews, and more. And for all your 49ers coverage, be sure to head over to NinerNoise.com. So as we sign off here, right in the doldrums of the offseason where we have nothing left to talk about except for Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and a slew of other exciting topics, this is Peter Panacey, Associate Editor of NinerNoise.com. For Robert Morrison and everybody here at Niner Noise, bidding you farewell, and let's go ahead and sound the horn. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.